What's going on, everybody? And thanks for tuning in to Foosball Fanatics. I know it's been a while since you heard that. Uh, about a year, to be exact, is the last time I recorded a Foosball Fanatics episode. I mean, but I, I've been busy. I've worked every Sunday since July 11th, and I didn't want to cheat it. I wanted to. I wanted Foosball Fanatics to be, you know, uh, 100% into, you know what I mean? And this was the first Sunday that I completely had off work. I mean, it, it, it felt like I took a, tri- a trip to vacation at Cancun or something. And for my day-by-day listeners, um, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint this week. I had a great episode recorded the other day that was supposed to be released uh, Tuesday morning with a great female co-host. But my mic, uh, you know, just I just had technical difficulties. My mic completely construed her voice. Um, I, I just didn't want to cheat. I didn't want to cheat y'all. So we're going to reshoot it and have it out next Tuesday. So, you know, uh, do not worry. But like I said, I, I I think, you know, I just had to give y'all something, right? I You know, the past month, you know, it, it, this comes with the podca- podcast world. Things happen. You know, uh, you may have an episode planned out and the person may have something come up. Life happens. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to go another week without anything in the air. And I thought, you know what? I'm about to have off Sunday. I'm about to spend the whole Sunday uh, watching all football, which is the first time I've done this all season. I mean, I've literally been working every day of the week, including Sundays. Um, so this was the first one I had off. I was able to watch a full day of football. It, it was amazing. It truly brought me back to my true element. Um you know, and it, a few other uh, elements that I'm going to talk about as well just just hit me. I'm like, you know what? I need to get back on this mic for Foosball Fanatics, and I need to put something out. So that's what we're going to do. So if you're on YouTube, uh, this is going to be under the Day by Day Podcast Network channel. If you're listening, uh, this is, you know, under the Foosball Fanatics Podcast channel, which is separate from the Day by Day Podcast channel. So make sure that you subscribe to both as I will from here until further notice put out material for both uh but like i said not to mention you know uh this is my first week watching football not to mention such uh, if you're watching you see the eagles gear you see the hoodie you see the mug not to mention just uh how perfectly aligned the stars were for this sunday for me to have off to watch football for one i got to see i mean the main event jalen hurts Right. I've been I've been hyping this kid up since we drafted him, you know, as far as I like him as a player. I've been hyping him up as someone who needs to be playing since about week three. And I've been hyping him up since someone who needs to be starting for the Eagles since about week six. Right. I mean, vocally, it's on my Twitter. I I just foresaw this whole thing coming. You know, it's the kids first start. Uh, You know, I found out, you know, Saturday night. Uh, the Eagles uh, Twitter, they put out that we were going to rock the all black threads against the Saints. You know, uh, it, it was just destined, you know, for me to finally have a Sunday off and watch my Eagles take on the Saints, which I knew we were going to win. You know, I, I, I just knew it. But it, it was just destined for it to happen. So it was like, you know what, taking all this in, you know, uh, just just knowing my team, seeing what I saw. I have to I have to vent if you would. So this is kind of like like venting. You know, and foreseeing the future like I always do, I just have nowhere to put it. Now I'm going to put it somewhere. Now I'm going to put it out there in the air so that there's no, you know, naysayers in the future when what I predict later on in the episode comes true. So that's what we're going to do, all right? But it's not all going to be about the Eagles. Mostly is. So, you know, I'll I'll let you know that that now. I mean, I am biased. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm going to be biased. But 
I'm going to show love to where I'm at. We in the DMV. So I'm going to show love to the Ravens and the Redskins. Pardon me. Excuse me. Football team as well. All right. And for my, you know, fellow Eagle fans, Redskins watching the football team, what are you doing? Know thy enemy, respect thy enemy. All right. That's what we're going to do. So it's just going to be, you know, something cool, comfy all to have. In the meantime, I'm, you know, probably put out about 30 minutes of this. All right. But it's going to be good. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the local team and the most, uh, probably the best regular season game of the season thus far. Ravens versus Cleveland Browns. Um, what was that? Sunday, Monday night, pardon me. And just uh, absolute thrill of a game. One that I thought was over when the Ravens went up two scores. I actually turned it off. But let's rewind a little bit. Lamar Jackson. Um, when I was at work earlier that day, I had a conversation with a customer. And we were speaking on Lamar. And I told him, you know, uh, I love Lamar. When, when the Ravens drafted him, I was so happy. I was The Ravens my second team, you know, for those who don't know. Um, I, I was happy for him. You know, I called my brother up and was like, man, y'all got y'all have a steal in Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar. Now, is he uh, where he needs to be passing? This is what I was saying before the game. No. I say that and he doesn't take reads. You know what I mean? Every QB has something they need to work on. Even Brady right now is kind of in the dumps, right? So I'm not saying this to bash Lamar. Like I said, I love Lamar Jackson. I've loved what he's done and what he what he's been doing since Louisville, right? I recognize it since Louisville. I just would like to see him take his reads in the pocket more. Um, you know, kind of, you know, uh, knowing when to put a touch pass, when to put a sidearm pass, and when to put a bullet pass. You know, sometimes you may confuse the three. Um, you know, he may try to bullet shallow crossers or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, like I said, I wasn't saying that to bash him. I was just saying what I saw. You know, he takes one read and he takes off, which is his game. I mean, he got MVP last year for running for over, what was it, 1,200 yards in the season by a QB. So that's part of his game. You can't, you know, depreciate that. You have to take what you have with him, which is his legs. So, you know, take that. I think the Ravens could uh, adjust their um, offensive play calling a little more to, you know, to his 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 attributes a little more than what they are doing this year compared to last year. But anyway, with that being said, I also spoke on how we'd love to see Lamar with a true number one receiver. And it showed in the Browns game. I know Hollywood caught that last TD, uh, which, which was, you know, huge, which was crucial on the fourth down, which was a great pass by Lamar as well. Um, but, you know, earlier in the game, you know, uh, I, I just remember a certain drive where we had two uh, comeback routes dropped back to back. You know, Hollywood's not going across the middle on slant. He's not running every single route on the route tree for you, right? He's a phenomenal athlete. He can definitely take the top off the defense. But I would love to see the Ravens with that true number one receiver before, you know, uh, true uh, people critique Lamar as much on throwing. It's going to happen. Like I said, I even did it. But I would love to see him with a true number one receiver, and I think that could take the Ravens to the next level. The running game is evident. It's great. And so was the Browns. I knew it was going to be a great game. Um, I didn't expect them to come back. Like I said, I, after the Ravens were up two tugs, I turned it off. I put on Madden. Next thing I know, my little brother's coming in the room like, yo, are you watching this game? It's insane. I watched it on my phone, and I, I couldn't believe it. But, um, yeah, no, the Browns, you know, they found a running game. You know, they found a way to make things calmer for Baker Mayfield, which is great. So I knew it was going to be a good game. Uh, the, the the rookie for Ravens, um, Dobbins, he's he's looking good. Uh, Gus the bus, I mean, you know, he's the bus. Feed him. So with that being said, you know, I, I believe the best regular season game of the season, you know, thus far, hands down, um, it was a combined of, what, 89 points, I believe, 47-42. 
it took me a while to get out of pre-algebra. Big whoop. 89 points. All right. Cool. That phenomenal game. So I like to give my roses to the Ravens. Give my roses to the uh, to Lamar for kind of shutting me up. Because like I said early in the day, I was critiquing him on his throwing, reading. You know, going through his reads in the pocket. And I, I know he can throw. I, I know he has an arm. I know he can make certain throws. But I would like him to make you know uh, more certain throws. You know, it was a few uh, earlier that um, that deep ball to Mark Andrews that if you were to put on the money is for six. Um, but like I said, I'm giving him his roses straight up. I'm giving the Ravens the roses. Second favorite team, hometown team in a way. Shout out to the Ravens. All right now. Like I said, know thy enemy, respect thy enemy. Let's talk about the Washington football team. Right, let's talk about. The NFC East a little bit, right? So with the Washington football team, I, I like to give them their flowers as well. You know, like I said, hometown, I, I know how to respect that enemy. You have to, right? I haven't they, – they, they absolutely have the best front four in the league. I haven't seen a front four this dominant in a long time, especially one so young. I mean, this group can go down like – as far as legendary status, it's like the purple people eaters in them, right? Or the steel curtain. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that. I'm, I'm truly saying and meaning that. They can go down as legendary. I mean, because all across, all four are great. And even their backups are great. And not to mention, which is like the centerpiece of it all, is future Hall of Famer? Yes, I said it. Future Hall of Famer Chase Young. Long as he stays healthy, knock on wood. You know, I don't want I don't want him to get injured. I, you know, yeah, that's my rival team, but you know, I, I I like to see greatness, especially a product of the environment of, of the environment. Excuse me, he's from the DMV. Um, product of the matter. So yeah, now nah, their front four is is just absolutely eating, which is the main reason why they're hot right now. They're the, you know the top in the NFC East and whatnot. You know they're probably the hottest team in the NFC East, rightfully so. Cool. Um, also love their running back, uh, twenty four. I forgot his name. I think it's Gibson. Uh, he, he he's a horse. He's a workhorse. You know he's definitely not someone who goes down on the first tackling, right? So that's why they're at where they're at now. So I'm giving them the praises to also say this, right? Before I get there, let me let me rewind a little bit. Um, I said this to myself, so I think I have to say it out loud as well. Chase Young, man, it, it's amazing how good this kid is. Uh, I believe it's the best defensive draft pick that the Redskins have made since the late, great Sean Taylor. Um, seriously. And I was, I mean, like I can, I'm pretty sure I can speak for many uh, when I say I was the biggest Sean Taylor fan. I mean, I... Played, you know, peewee football. I love that I was playing safety. We played black backyard football. You played safety. You would line up in the middle and just wait. Just You would just be on your Sean Taylor tip and just wait. But, no, that's how big of an impact Chase Young has. I'm giving it to him. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving him his flowers. Hands down. You know, the front four all together. I mean, uh, Montez, Sweat, uh, Payne, you know, all those guys are great. But, you know, Chase Young is just a little different. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, they're the hottest team and whatnot. But, you know, at the end of the day, y'all are our rivals, Eagles. Y'all are rivals. Y'all look good. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. But I'm going to also tell you this. We are on y'all ass. Straight up. Y'all know it. We know it. Now the world knows it. We are on y'all ass. The NFC East, I'm telling y'all right now, the winner of that division is going to come down to week 16 at Lincoln Financial Field. 
Ray, uh, I was ready to say Ravens. Redskins versus Eagles. Football team versus Eagles. I don't know why. I, I think they named themselves the football team because they didn't think the season was going to happen. They did it kind of like in the midst of, is it going to be a season or not? They're like, eh, it's probably not going to be a season. Just say Washington football team, you know, and, you know, during the off season we'll come up with one since it's nothing happening. Then they're like, oh, man, the season happened. Uh, we kind of got to stick with it now. Football team, okay, so football team versus Eagles, week 16, Lincoln Financial Field. Fans or not, that's going to be the true uh, determining factor of who wins the NFC East. I'm calling it right now. Giants, y'all were doing y'all thing, but it's just something y'all are missing. I don't know. Maybe putting Daniel Jones back in. Kind of hurt y'all. I'm not sure, but it's just something. And Cowboys, I mean, listen, I've been saying this for years, and I will always say it as long as it is prevalent. As long as Jerry Jones is the head of y'all team operation, just just body of figure and all, y'all, it's it's nothing. Y'all not gonna win nothing, anything big. Y'all will not win any playoff games. Y'all do maybe one. You're not gonna win any NFC championships. It's not happening as long as Jerry Jones is there. I mean. It's simple, you know what I mean. It, it it's literally it, it since Jimmy Johnson, you know, uh, stepped down because Jerry Jones took over that whole thing. I mean, nothing good has come out of it, right? You guys are still living off of, you know, a Super Bowl that most of y'all seen when y'all were one or two years old, right? I, yeah, okay, I have one ring, big whoop. But let me tell you something about my one ring, Cowboys fans. I lived to see it. I was twenty three years old when we won. I remember like it was last week. It was the best night of my life. And I had some great, great nights that would easily be the best of my life if it were not for February 2017. All right? Easily. Um, I, I, I remember. I was, I was on Broad Street. I turned up with the team in a way after we won. I rolled down Broad Street, random chicks in my car. You know what I'm saying? Dirt bikes and four-wheelers going. People, you know what I'm saying, on top of U-Haul trucks. I was there knocking over light poles. I was there. I seen it. I lived it. I witnessed it. I'd much rather have one ring of that than be in my diapers and not remembering anything from Super Bowls that my parents have to always tell me about how great it was. But let me. I'm getting carried away. I'm getting carried away. Respect thy enemy. Y'all are cool. But as long as Jerry Jones is the head, it's not happening. Now let's get to the best part of the NFC East, shall we? Mm. Mm-mm. And I knew it was coming. That's the crazy part. It's crazy when you know something's coming. Let's talk about the the the, the main event first and foremost. Let's talk about that kid Hurts, Jalen Hurts, right? Let's talk about him, but let's not talk about him exactly. Let's talk about his presence, what his presence and energy brought to the team of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you're not an Eagles fan, you might not want to hear this. All right, This is for my fellow Eagles fans or people who care for the Eagles, at least. Right, So let's talk about what he brought to the team. Um, Like I said, energy, first and foremost, a different type of energy. Um, and this is everything that I'm about to list out right now is not a knock against Carson Wentz at all. Not one bit. I'm not one of those guys. We're going to get into that. All right. Um, you know, first and foremost, I, what I believe is the best part of our team is our defensive front four. Like I said, I think Skins by far have the best, not by far, but they have the best front four in the league. I would say Eagles is right behind them um, as far as just, you know, how across the board everyone's getting after it. You got Hargraves, 
and Sweat, who are great additions, great new additions to the team. Um, Derek Barnett, you know, he's, he's starting to come out more. BG, that's the OG, Brandon Graham and Big Fletch. You know what I'm saying? He's still hitting his sniper poses. They're getting after these QBs and running backs, man. Seriously, they got after tasting him. They was on his ass. I loved it. That's the best part of the team, right? So I got to give them their props first and foremost. Now let's go back to what we were talking about. Jalen Hurts, what he brings to the team. Just just so many different dynamics that um, I saw coming, you know, which is why I wanted him to start. Well, Wentz, it was kind of predictable. And again, it's no knock against Wentz. It was kind of predictable, but it's not his fault, which we will also get to. But um, just a couple of things that I was impressed with um, over the win, with the win over the Saints. Uh, I'm going to talk about some sneakies first, right? Some sneakies. I want to talk about that Jalen and Jalen connection. I knew since the Eagles photo shoot. You know, kind of behind the scenes, they were showing videos and clips of Jalen and Jalen. When I say Jalen and Jalen, I mean Jalen Hurts and Jalen Rager, number two and number 18, who you will hear a lot of in the near future. The, the, just the way they were vibing, I'm like, man, that's that's going to be a connection in the future. It is. And it almost happened against the Saints. If you remember, I believe it was the either first or second drive. Jalen Hurts tried to de- hit him on that deep post. And it, and it was just barely overthrown. But I'm telling you, the Jalen to Jalen connection, first and foremost, against the Cardinals, is going to happen for the first time. I'm talking about for a big touchdown, right? But not just that. I want to talk about another receiver, a sneaky one, who made his debut against the Saints, who only had, uh, I believe, one catch and a handoff. You know, he, he didn't go crazy, but Quez Watkins, number 80. Who's to believe, who's to, uh, I believe, is our fastest receiver, believe it or not. Um, now, this is, you know, despite Deshaun Jackson, who's on IR, and Marquise Goodwin, who opted out, um, you know, for coronavirus reasons. Uh, Quez, Quez can fly. Number 80, um, you know, he got in. It's his first game, so he's just getting his feet wet. But I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if that connection happens in the near future as well, probably against Arizona. So I'm calling it right now, Jalen to Jalen Rager or Jalen to Quez Watkins. You know what I'm saying? If not both, that connection is coming very soon in the near future. And be be prepared to hear those connections happening a lot in the near future, right? I'm calling it right now. Um, and, and we're just young, which I like. I like that we're young. Um, John Hightower, I think, you know, he, he still has a little bit more to uh, work on, but I think he can be good if he works on his craft. Um, let's talk about Travis Fogum, who, you know, his first four games just was an absolute stud, right? Uh, against the Saints, he didn't play, shoot, at all. I don't think, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a single catch. Alshon started over him. Now, at first, I was like, why is that? I mean, he's probably one of the hottest receivers in the league. Yeah, he was for his first four games. Um, you know, the past couple games, I'm, I've noticed, you know, from clips that I've seen, like I said, I haven't really watched a full Eagles game. The only one time I've done that is this past week against the Saints. Um, Travis Fulgham is great. He's big. You know, he's fast enough. He's definitely strong enough. But his hands have been inconsistent over the few past few weeks, which I've noticed. Which I'm pretty sure the coaches that have noticed as well, which, you know, that along with the seniority probably is the reason why Alshon got to start over him. Cool. I'm not mad at that because it's kind of, you know, a sense of, uh, you know, kind of 
making him hungry. He's like, all right, I need, I need, I need to go off again and get back on the field. How did he get back on? How did he get on the field in the first place? He was on practice squad. Injuries. He was eating what he was practicing on the practice squad, right? And the practice squad QB told Wentz at the time, who was starting, like, hey, like this, this guy's the real deal. So he was going hard on practice squad, trying to get to the field. He got to the field, went off the first few of the games, probably got a little, you know, complacent, and uh, you know, his hands weren't really there as much as much as I'd like to see it least so you know get back on the bench get back to second string not playing much now we built that hunger back I really want to see what Travis Fogum has because I mentioned Jalen Rager Quez Watkins they're our speed guys you know um, but I, I, we need that big body you know possession type receiver which I think Travis Fogum can be uh, you know especially reigning to Alshon Jeffrey who you know uh, I guess you could say woke up against the Saints uh with that back shoulder catch, which was a good one. Um, another thing that Hurts brings to the team, which I knew was going to happen, is Booby. Booby Miles. Booby. That boy a beast, man. Seriously. But the problem was we weren't feeding him. So I knew as soon as, uh, you know, we had um, a QB with a limited playbook compared to Carson that we were going to feed him more. Uh, craziest part about the game, I watched it with my friend. He knows who he is. Uh, he had Miles Sanders riding the bench on his fantasy team, and he didn't tell me this until the game started. And I'm like, why did why didn't you, why do people? This is the second time something like this has happened where it's an Eagles player and a a big game, and one of my friends has him on the bench and tells me when the game starts. And I'm like, bro, I would have easily told you to play Miles Sanders. He's going to touch the ball more than ever, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, and uh, not only that, you know, we're, we're resulting a lot to our double tight end formation, which I love for two reasons. For one, we have two of the best tight ends in the league. We have Zach Ertz, which is, you know, he's still too young to be called an OG, but, you know, he's not a young gun as well. You know, he's, he's, he's there. Um, and we have Dallas Goddard, which is another staple to our young core with our young receivers that's going to be in the... It's going to be in the talk amongst the league for a long time to come in Philadelphia. But I like the double tight end package, especially with Jalen Hurts, because it just adds so many different dimensions. If we just spread everything, you know, then it's like, okay, Jalen has to, you know, get the ball out to the numbers or draw or cool. But with the double tight end, so unpredictable because we can run the ball way more effectively with the double tight end. Right. But not only that, if you're playing to run so hard. We can PA and we can hit the middle of the field with those tight ends. So you have to respect. If you respect both one of the two, I'm talking about opposing defenses. If you respect both, one of the two is going to hit you, whether it be the running game or the double tight ends or the deep ball. So, you know what I'm saying, kind of being sucked in from the run game. So there's so many forms to that that can come with the double tight end position, which I love. And don't get me wrong, we used Gallard, uh, Goddard had a few catches against the Saints. Um, Ertz, not as much, which they robbed him of on that sideline. Catch was a great catch and great throw. We're going to get to the throwing part of Hertz a little bit. But that catch was great. It was obviously in. I don't know what the refs were looking at. They robbed us of that. But it's just a lot that's going to come out of that. I believe in the near future – it's going to be more utilized as far as the tight ends actually, you know, hands-on with the ball, um, you know, if, in case teams start to come down a little bit more on the read option or the RPO or on Miles Sanders in general, those tight ends are going to start making some more noise for sure. All right. Now, let's get to the defense. 
because I think it was evident since Jalen Hurst stepped field on the second uh, half of the Packers game that he changes the momentum and energy of the whole team, including the defense. So let's talk about the defense for a second. Um, the linebackers. Duke Riley was sought to be a bust while he was in Atlanta. We got him. I'm like, you know what? I'm not mad at it. Let's see what he has. Maybe he's hungry. Uh, Singleton. I mean, we have linebackers that uh, no one else who's not a fan of the Eagles will be able to tell you who they are. But they're eating. They're hungry. The energy definitely shifted with Hurts coming in. That along with the fact that we have underdog linebackers, I love it. Now Singleton got mossed in the end zone by Jared Cook. I'm not putting that completely on him. You know, I would like to see a safety kind of over Cook instead. But, I mean, they're flying to the ball. Duke Riley with the pick. Some great clutch tackles by Duke Riley. Uh, Singleton has a pick on the season. So they're both getting at it. I like what they're doing. I like to see TJ Edwards come back in to kind of add that uh, that unmovable force in the middle once he returns because he's he's more of a you know uh, run stopper, right? And Duke and, and Singleton are kind of flying all over the place. So I like I love the underdog linebackers that we have, you know. And and if they keep the energy that they have, then I mean they can really you know continue to shine like they're doing now also speaking of the defense i want to talk about some slight worries that i've had um after watching my eagles play the first off which is the most obvious is our dbs not performance wise um even though darius slay has you know uh you know slightly been worked to say the least by these receivers but i mean it is what it is he's playing you know Close man coverage, but he's more so playing uh, technique and through the hands than turning back for the ball, which, you know, if you have a strong receiver like Devontae Adams or DK Metcalf, it don't really matter how great the coverage is. If you're not trying to take the ball away, then it's going to be tough. But our DBs, um, man, first and foremost, Rodney McLeod. I hope he gets better soon. I mean, not soon as in him him coming back, but, you know, soon as in, you know, I hope it's a, a healthy um, speedy but not rushed recovery. He, t- he tore his ACL against the Saints on a non-contact play out for the rest of the season, which hurts. Um, with Malcolm Jenkins leaving, McLeod had to take that uh, lead safety role, lead defensive uh, QB role, which he I think he did a phenomenal job of. I've always been saying from watching clips, you know, uh, me being a former safety, that's like when I'm watching my defense, that's the number one position that I'm going to look at and kind of put myself in the shoes of is the safety. And he's looked more like a complete safety this year than ever before, I would say. I mean, he's coming up in the run game. You know, he's he's looking not bad in the past game, but just as a complete player, he's really shown up. Um, so him leaving is very detrimental to the defense, not to mention that we got rid of uh, Will Parks who, um, you know, I mean, it couldn't be worse timing. But bad timing is just a staple of the Philadelphia Eagles, has been for years now. Um, But just injuries in general. So Slay got hurt. Uh, I still don't know what the condition is. I'm pretty sure we'll find out in the next few days. Avante Maddox got hurt. And McLeod got hurt in the game. That's our starting safety in two corners, literally. Got, you know, out the game like that. We had practice squad dudes to finish the game. Luckily, they held it down enough for us to, you know, get the dub. So, salute to them for that. But that's going to be a big part of, you know, what happens with the Eagles moving forward, forward. And I kind of knew, you know, um, once Brandon Brooks uh, tore his Achilles in the offseason, I knew it was going to be some type of snowball effect because that's just how it's been. I mean, even the Super Bowl year, we were very – we was an injured team that year. But luckily, you know, at um, all phases, at every position, the next man was able to step up and do what he had to do. Another worry that I have, right, 
it's play calling. The Cardinals game is going to be huge for me. Um, I'm going to work, so I'm going to you know, watch it how I can. But it's going to be huge in the sense of play calling by Doug. Now, this can go one of two ways. Doug can continue to contour the offense to Jalen's skill set, not be predictable like he was on that fourth down call, um, which the Saints stopped. I mean, but, that, but other than that, you know, his play calling was pretty good, I would say. Um, definitely. But his play calling, now he can, you know, with Wentz, he wasn't the greatest play caller, Doug. Um, so we'll see if that changes. He can either, you know, continue to be spontaneous with it um, and, like I said, contour the Jalen Hurts skill set, or he can kind of, you know, I, I don't want to see him give Jalen too much. Not saying Jalen can't handle it, can't handle it, but, I mean, that's what he did with Wentz. He completely gave Wentz the keys to the car. He even said, he said, you know, I gave him all the freedom, which is cool, but, I mean, you didn't do that with Nick Foles in the uh, playoffs and in the Super Bowl. You know, you kind of kept it simple, RPOs, running, you know, uh, play-action deep passes, you know, when need be. With Wentz, it was kind of like spread and just you literally do you the whole way through. Um, so, yeah, I think play calling this week is going to be huge to see if Doug uh, progresses or digresses. Um, I really hope he gets better with it because, I mean, we really have something special if we play it the right way. And Hurts. So let's let's get back to Hurts. I mean, he's, he's the star of the show this week. Seriously, right? And um, I, I, I wish I, – I, so I ordered a jersey uh, on my birthday. November 29th. Still hasn't gotten here yet. I'm actually kind of skeptical that I got scammed from this website. So if you don't see me with uh, the Jalen Hurts jersey within the next two weeks, then, you know, oh, man, I'm I'm, I'm battling. I'm going to be battling depression because that, that sucks. Um, but I did get a Vic jersey, a great-looking uh, Mitchell S. Michael Vic 2010 jersey uh, that he wore on his debut um, against the Packers when Kevin Cobb got hurt and he came in and just took over and looked good. But anyway, let's get back to Hurts. Um, so let's rewind a little bit, right? For those who don't know, where Hurts came from. And this is why I respected. I've always respected Hurts, right? And I've always been a fan of Hurts, even before he got drafted to the Eagles. That just made me more excited when he got drafted to the Eagles. So why I've always liked and respected Hurts, for those who don't know, he went to Bama, right? Under Saban. Um, you know, he has a natty, uh, and he, he, he won a lot of games, right? He didn't necessarily win those games solely on his arm. He did enough for Alabama to win. So come national championship uh, time, um, first half he played horrible. Uh, you know, his passing was off. He wasn't, you know, moving around. He wasn't getting out the pocket like he is now. It was just awful. Second half, Tua starts. Um, which was Tua's first ever start. He's a freshman, um, and he comes in the second half and just takes over, wins the game. And at that point, everyone kind of knew. It was like right now. It was like, you know, Jalen Hurts coming in, in the, the last quarter of the season. And if he continues to do how he did, you know, against the Saints in the second half against the Packers, it might be slow bucks for Wentz, all right? So that's how it went in the second half of the championship, national championship a couple years ago with Bama, with Jalen Hurts and Tua. So this is why I respect the kids so much. He gets benched. Tua comes in, takes over. Everyone kind of knows. Next season, Tua's the guy. He's the better thrower. He's completely transitioning Alabama's offense from, you know, a straight running power offense how it's been known for years to being able to throw the ball now. So what does Jalen Hurts do? He knows his job is, is, is over for. 
He knows it's done. What does Jalen Hurst do? He returns to Alabama. Now, I say that it's such a big deal because you have so many kids now in college who lose a quarterback competition in training camp and enter the trans uh, the transfer portal. I mean, immediately. I mean, it's all over. Now, granted, there have been the, some good to come out of the transfer portal with quarterbacks. I mean, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State to LSU. Um, Kyler Murray transferred from Texas A&M to Oklahoma. Um, so it, it's happened. Uh, the kids, the kid, um, uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State. I forgot what school he came from at first, but it happens, right? Um, but like I said, I he didn't leave. I mean, if you if and, and this is his last, this is his uh, junior year, but he still had a year of eligibility for grad season. So this is second to last season. He knows he's going to be a backup. He returned to Bama. Could have easily transferred and started many other places easily. Right, he returns to Bama, knowing he's the backup. Played his role good. He was the backup. He only got in when they were blowing teams out. He held it down. Excuse me. Um, very committed, you know. Uh, and then the tables turned. SEC championship against Georgia, again. Um, you know, Tua. I forgot if he got hurt or just wasn't performing. Hurts comes in, comes back, and wins the game. And all that was was the football gods. The football gods aren't going to completely pass look, you know, character that he showed, uh, you know, diligence that he showed. The football gods aren't going to pass look that. You know what I mean? He stayed down and then he came up. And when he came up, the football gods blessed him. Rightfully so. He deserved it. That's why I truly respect him. And then after after that, you know, he transferred to uh, Oklahoma and just took off from there. He definitely he worked on his passing game. I mean, he's in the Big 12. He has to. Right. But his running game as well. I mean, he was pretty much a running back uh, for Oklahoma. And uh, I remember watching the Baylor game when they were down by uh, 21 points. I believe it was in the second half. He came back and just abs- he went off. Um, so I've always been happy for him. I've always been cheering for him since Bama days, you know, uh, to my, even my grandfather was a huge fan of him, you know, RP. Um, he was, he's from Alabama. So, you know, he, he was a Bama, Bama fan and, you know, we always watched Bama, Bama games and whatnot. And he was just always impressed by him, even though he wasn't the most flashiest player, he was just always impressed by him. Um, but anyway, so like I said, uh, in Oklahoma, he was pretty much a running back as well, but he could throw much better than he did at Alabama. So I knew. Uh, coming into the Saints game, that was going to open up the running game detrimentally. Oh my! I mean, huge. It was going to be huge for the running game. I might have used detrimentally wrong right there. But it was going to be huge for the running game. I knew it because whether it was him or Booby, and when I say Booby, I mean Miles, um, I I knew we were going to feed him more, first and foremost. We weren't going to, you know, he wasn't going to, Jalen was going to throw the ball 50 times a game. So I knew the running game was going to open up, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, Boston Scott, Corey Clement, and we've got Jordan Howard back. Well, I think he's back on practice squad. Um, so, yeah, uh, but not only just the running game. I mean, honestly, as a QB, he looked great as an Eagles quarterback. And I say that for a few reasons. One, he was so poised, very poised, just very calm from the first snap you could tell. Secondly, he I was so impressed by the way he was reading. He went through his reads. I seen it. It was one play he dropped back and literally went through his reads and hit his third read across the field. When he worked from left to right, and it was the uh, wide receiver on the right side, and he hit him. That was his third read, and he hit him. He went through his reads, stayed down, and went through his reads. He took care of the ball. 
Um, he had that fumble in the fourth quarter, which was huge. But, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, being in the pocket on the run, he took care of the ball. And the most important, he made no costly mistakes. Not one besides that fumble. But, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he's a rookie. He's not going to have a perfect game. Made zero costly mistakes, zero interceptions. He threw the ball away when there was nothing there. I couldn't believe that was like a breath of fresh air when I saw that happen. He threw the ball away when there was nothing there, and he took zero sacks. Now, you may be saying, well, why couldn't Wentz do that? He leads the team and I mean leads the league in sacks and turnovers from fumbles or whatever it may be. Um, like I said, that all comes down to play calling. Uh seriously, it does. Um but you know, I'm I'm glad, you know, the the change was made. I was calling it for be I was calling for it to be made a minute ago, but it was finally made. Cool. I'm glad it was made. And I, I don't know. Like I said, I've always rooted for this kid. And when we drafted him, I was ecstatic. And I'm just, you know, happy. I was happy when he got in against Green Bay. I've always asked, like, man, just give him a full drive. Because against Seattle, that was BS. You know, he got in for like two plays, completed a pass. And it was like, I don't know. But I, I knew it was time for him to take over, honestly, in the Ravens game. If you go back to the Ravens game, we couldn't move. We could not get a first down at all. Our first first down of that game came from when Jalen Hurts came into the game and ran the ball for a first down. Then after that, he threw like a, you know, a pass. And then Wentz came in, and it, then that's when it, you know Wentz kind of took over um, from a momentum that Jalen had started, and then we kind of came back and almost won that game. So it was just bound to happen. I was just you know glad that Doug – I mean, Doug could have definitely done it weeks prior too, but better late than never. I'll give it to him. And overall, I'm just happy. I haven't been this happy about a quarterback um, uh, starting for us since 10 years ago, since Vic, since we got Vic. Well, since Vic started, since after the, the game with the Packers. This is, I haven't felt this feeling since. Like watching that game Sunday, man, I was so happy. You would have thought we was in the playoffs or something, right? Um, by the way, I wanted to wear that Vic jersey for this episode, but it would have blended in with the green screen, and that would have been good to, you know, have a headless head up here just, you know, talking football. Um, but, no, yeah, I haven't been this happy about one. Now, now, with that being said, yes, I was very happy about Wentz in 2017. That was a show on turf for your ass, straight up. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, me playing quarterback in high school, I – tend to vote, I mean, root more for black quarterbacks because it's, it's, it's different. You know, we didn't have, always have it as easy. That's just the fact of the matter. And then it's always been a stereotype that black QBs can only run. I mean, you see what Lamar Jackson is currently going through and has been going through since the day he stepped foot into the league. That's just comes. That's just what comes with it. So I'm glad to see, you know, the black. And it, it's just, it's man, they're taking over. Black QBs are taking over. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, back to Wentz in 2017. Yes, I was happy to see Wentz in 2017, but it was just different. You know what I mean? Um, the team in 2017 was ridiculous, but you know, uh, Vic in 2010 was different. You know, hitting J Mac and D Jack and you know Shady going off. It was just different. I haven't felt that feeling, you know, now since 2010. Which is ironic because I have the 2010 edition jersey, Mitchell, and that's with the Vic. And I just ordered a Jalen Hurts jersey this year of the white one because he went off for the first time against the Packers, just like Vic did with the green jersey. But not to get carried away, let's um, you know, talk about the game just for a little bit. One thing I didn't like about the game, and when I say the game, I mean the uh, Saints and the Eagles game, is how they kept putting the camera on once. I knew it was going to happen. I mean, the media has to hype things up. I understand that. But I, I just couldn't stand that. 
I, I could not stand the fact that they kept putting it on Wentz, trying to make, you know, every time Jalen made a big play, they would put it on Wentz to see his reaction. Like, or, you know, what do you want the guy to do? I mean, he's he's gone through such a humiliating, you know, phase, but yet humbling at the same time. Let him deal with that. Like I said, I'm not for the disrespect against Wentz at all. You know what I'm saying? This whole situation with Wentz in Philadelphia is as simple as this. Carson Wentz has had awful luck and terrible timing during his tenure in Philadelphia. That's just what it is. I mean, the kid in 2017 has MVP candidate season, was going to be the MVP, gets hurt right before the playoffs, watches someone else take that momentum going into the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, win Super Bowl MVP, throw for however many touchdowns, catch a touchdown, not to mention has a statue in front of Lincoln Financial Field that, that Carson Wentz has to walk past every day of him talking to Doug on the Philly Philly call, right? So that's just so much expectation that he has to that he's putting himself up to first and foremost, not to mention that huge contract <laughs> second and foremost, not to mention Doug giving him the complete open playbook for off I mean off privilege privilege, I'm sorry, for offensive play call and just letting just putting it all on him. So that's so much expectation for him that's coming off of bad timing and bad luck with an injury. That's what it came from. Because I'm pretty sure if he would have stayed, he would have won Super Bowl regardless, right? That torn ACL, you know, and then last year, you know, rallying, making us, you know, taking us to the playoffs. Boom. You know, he's finally in the playoff game. Okay. Now it's time to leave your mark. You know, BDN, B, you know what, Nick. And if you don't know, do your Googles. He left his legacy and he's gone. He did what he had to do in the playoffs. You don't have any playoff appearances, wins, nothing. Your first playoff appearance, let's see what you got, Carson. Gets hurt within like, I don't know, he made like one or two passes, gets hurt, out for the game. Out for the playoffs, right? Again, bad luck and terrible timing in Philly. And the second half to this is Doug Peterson. Yes, listen, Doug got us a ring, got us our first ring. Thank you, Doug. I mean, you showed balls in that Super Bowl you know, going for Philly Philly, which was, you know, Nick's call, which is why we call him B, you know what, Nick, BDN. That's why we call him that, right? But you showed big balls as well for allowing it to happen. You showed great play calling in the Super Bowl. You showed great play calling with Nick in general, which is the problem. <laughs> That's why I say, you know, Doug is to blame. Listen, when, when, when Nick Foles came in in the playoffs, it was RPOs. It was play actions. It was simple but effective play calling to our skill set. We had a great running game. We had a great offensive line, right? We had big receivers. We had receivers that could get the job done when need be. I was Sean Jeffrey going up top on people when need be. We had Torrey Smith, Speedster, when need be. We had, but we had a great offensive line, great running back, and a good, poised, smart, ball-handling quarterback in Nick Foles. So we ran a lot of safe plays, screens, RPOs, right? What are we doing now with Jalen Hurts? Screens, RPOs, read options, right? Well, Carson Wentz, it's spread them across the field. Uh, you have the keys to the Lambo. Just take us there, Carson. Take us to the motherlands. You know, I'm going to call a play, but, I mean, you have the ability to call three other plays out of it based off of what you see. Now, just do it. Drop back, 
throw 50 times a game and just take us there. It's not the same energy with other uh, quarterbacks. So I don't know if it's something personal going on with Doug and Carson. Because, I mean, it showed in 2017, but it was kind of smoke and mirrors at the same time because we won the Super Bowl. Now we kind of see it more. It's very, very evident. Like, it's just so much simpler. But better at the same time it's, it's, it's simpler it's more elementary if you want to call it that but it's better right the fact that we're making it simpler is better the fact that we're running it more running double tight ends is better than spread even though we may, we may have or had all these weapons before they got hurt it's just more simpler now so i'm blaming doug for carson's failure now i can't put it all on everyone besides carson because Clearly, like I said, the energy of the of the team changes when Carson isn't in. Super Bowl year, the energy of the team changed when Carson wasn't in. I, I don't know why. I, maybe Philly just isn't for him. I mean, the kids from North Dakota, South Dakota, wherever he's from, you know, he's used to hunting goose. And, I, you know, maybe Philly just isn't for him. You know what I'm saying? Philly is a tough town for any sports figure, especially football, especially after we won our first Super Bowl. It's standards now. That's just what comes with it. You think the Pats aren't expected to win, go to the playoffs even though Brady isn't there? There's still expectations once you get that ring. There's expectations when you're in a busy and very tough city like Philadelphia for the Eagles. You can ask any of the players. That's just what it is. Every player on that roster can tell you about an experience of them being booed. Yeah, we'll boo your ass quick if you're not playing up to par. But we will cheer for you quick as well. So, I don't know. The energy, I, I can't call it. I'm not in that locker room. Nobody is. Everybody wants to figure out why is it that the team, energy, and poise, everything just changes when Carson isn't there. What is it? I don't know. Maybe he's a cornball. I don't know, but he's a great guy. I will give him that. He's a faithful man. When I talk faithful, I'm talking about religion, you know, and, and his faith in God. I'll give that to him. He's a great person. I can tell he's a great person. He may not be the most, you know, swaggiest, waviest person to be around, but he's a great person. That's why I'm not bashing him. You know, all this Carson Wentz bashing and stuff and these memes and, you know, putting a camera on him every time Jalen Hurts does good. I'm not for it. I'm not for it at all because at the end of the day, he had a great deal in us getting that ring, whether people want to admit it or not. Um, but yeah, like I said, Doug has ruined, you know, Carson in Philly, you know, which and, and Doug even pulling the trigger benching Carson was Doug saving his own ass because it was cause, you know, it, it was worth speculating that Doug's getting out of here because of the play calling when Carson Wentz in. Carson Wentz was in. The play calling was awful. And not just with Carson. I mean, you know, always going going for two, like on unnecessary attempts. It was just ridiculous. But, you know, Doug kind of saved face. Uh, by benching him and starting Hurts, you know. Um, but, you know, Carson, his time may be up in Philly, but it's not a, up as a great quarterback. Everyone's talking about him, you know, reuniting with the offensive coordinator. I mean, the head coach in Indianapolis was the offensive coordinator for us when we won the Super Bowl, uh, Coach Leach. And him going out there and, you know, reuniting. And, I mean, that would be the best bet. I think everybody kind of, you know, know, knows at this point that would be the best bet. Now, to end the show, I'd like to uh, give a bold prediction. All right, like I said, I'm putting this in the air now so that uh, come January and uh, hopefully, possibly, praying on it, February, y'all can rewind this, rewind this. All right, so my bold prediction, I'm predicting. Now, it was easy for me to predict this and saying that the front four and running game will take us to the playoffs and possibly Super Bowl. I know it may seem crazy. It was easier for me to say that 
before Rodney McLeod tore his ACL. It was easier for me to say that before Avante Maddox and Darius Slay went out and are currently out, and I still don't know. Uh, I mean, it's Wednesday, so later on, you know, word will come out what's going on with them. But it was easier for me to say that, say that then. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, rewinding back to 2017, our running game with LeGarrette uh, Blunt, Jay Ajayi, uh, Corey Clement even, um, Darren Sproles, you know, before he got hurt, our running game was on point. Our offensive line was on point. And our front four was our staple of the team at the same at, back then like it is now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, hey, right? Um, you know, don't don't fix it if it ain't broke. So, I'm I'm going to go with the same thing. You know, what I see now is what I, what I see then is what I see now. So, I'm going to put that bold prediction out there. If our DBs can get it together. If we can get some uh, healthy DBs, if we can get, you know, our DPs in sync, you know, no matter who's out there, you know, Jalen Mills, whether he's at corner, nickel, uh, safety. If our DBs can get it together, man, then I'm calling it, you know. Like I said, last week of the season against the Washington football team is going to determine whether we go to the uh, playoffs or not. And I'll tell you right now, if uh, the – you know, like I said, I'm all for black QBs, but if Dwayne Haskins is in, it's a wrap. Alex Smith – if he's in, it, the defense has to stop us from scoring because Alex Smith isn't going to, you know, run up the scoreboard on you. He he can manage the, you know, the clock, manage the game, but that's about it. Um, so, yeah, if our DBs get it together, I mean, shoot, our front four defensively in our running game is going to take us there. Mark my words. RPO is going to take us there, just like in 2017. If we affect that RPO right now, man, it's going to take us there. Um, but the secondary is key. Now, I'd like to show some love to the AFC as well. I know I've been ranting about the Eagles for like the past 20 so min- uh, twenty minutes or so. From the AFC, uh, I mean, everyone would say Chiefs, including me. They look unstoppable. They truly do. But someone's going to take them down in the playoffs this year. And I have it being someone from the AFC North. I have the Ravens or the Browns, whichever one of them faced the Chiefs first in the playoffs, taking the Chiefs out. Um, and then from there, you know, don't be just don't be don't be surprised if the Browns make some serious serious noise in the playoffs. They have a, a great running game, a two headed monster back there, and Chubb and Hunt. Um, Baker's starting to find himself. You know, again, they're making the offense simpler. Uh, so many cases where if you make the offense simpler, it, it, it in turn makes it better. Um, so don't be surprised. And like I said, you know, the Ravens are the Ravens. They just got to get over that get over that playoff hump. If they make it, they got to you know win the next stretch to even make it. But if they make it, and if they win, and they finally get over that hump, they finally get that pressure release from their shoulders, especially Lamar Lamar getting his first playoff win, then you never know, right? But um, yeah. So that's my bold prediction for today. That's all I have to say for today. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Like I said, that day by day podcast episode will be up next week. We're going to reshoot that with my uh, female co-host, but I'm going to make sure that my that my mic is uh you know set correctly this time. I don't know what's I don't know what happened with it, man. It's I don't know if it's some bug in it. I don't know. Um, but if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you hit subscribe. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it may be, make sure that you hit subscribe. Also, subscribe to the day by day podcast. Right. Until next time, everybody, y'all stay safe out there. Seriously, stay safe. Stay blessed. Peace.